What's up, everyone? Welcome to our review of The Mandalorian, Episode 3. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. This review will be mostly spoiler content, so this is your friendly warning to abort this mission if you want to remain spoiler-free. And today I'm joined by John. Yes. And we're in... <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Rise. Uh... <laughs> John over here and myself will be going over our thoughts of the Mandalorian review. Alright, so just a brief summary of everything that has happened so far. But Chris, I need, forewarned, I need you to be forewarned, I need you to make this as intricate as possible. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Wait, what's my motivation? Because I told you to. Okay, cool. Okay. Alright, here's a brief summary of the episode. Mando delivers baby. Yes. Mando feels sad. Yes. Uh, Mando gets big payout. Yes. The, the guild gets a big payout. Hmm. Big Mando, who can fly, gets jealous, but this is the way. Yes. Mando re-kidnaps Baby and puts him in harm's way. Yes. Mando shoots Apollo Creed and flies away. I think that was, that was pretty intricate. Yeah. Pretty difficult to follow. Yeah. Uh, so basically, that's the, the summary of the episode was about, uh... Mando going back to save the kid. Yeah. Uh, baby Yoda and kind of getting gripes and uh, questioned about it from not only the uh, not only the Empire, but also from the guild mm-hmm. with, uh, what is it, Gree- Grief Karga? Yeah. So that was kind of nice. I really enjoyed, I just in general, I really enjoyed this episode and yeah. I really liked the plot. I think it was definitely probably the strongest of all three of the episodes so far. I would agree. And the you, action was really good. The uh, yeah. characters were conflicted. What did you um? What did you What did you think about uh length time? This one was also a short one. To be honest, I've just kind of stopped paying attention to the length. It's it's not that big of a factor for me. I, I when I get into the episodes, it feels like there's no wasted space it ends when it should it's well paced um i've again i I don't even look at the time i just i sit there and just enjoy it for what it is Mm. so is it longer or shorter than it has been it it was still like around 30 something minutes Uh, but i don't i think this was the episode i don't know how like i i keep on getting more into it this I've gotten used to the pace. This episode was awesome. Yeah. I love the action. I love the conflict. I loved how he's just, you know, popping off stormtroopers like, boo! It was good. I really, I really enjoyed uh, the different emotions and the shootout. This episode was awesome. Oh, yeah. Which makes me really excited for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series because the person that directed this episode, Deborah Chow, is the showrunner for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. That's right. So, hopefully it has a very similar feel and the the suspense the pacing is is pretty similar so it, it's got me very optimistic about that yeah a lot of channels and podcasts would be talking about that she would be doing the kenobi series and even though fans at first were like who is this person yeah and after this episode people were like okay um i'm into this <laughs> so that that's at least something that people could you know relate to and just get excited for this is a good template uh, as far as new characters for this episode, we still haven't seen, uh, what is it, Gina Carano's character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We still haven't seen her yet. But we did get uh, a new Mandalorian that, you know, who knows if they'll stick around. But it was this bigger Mandalorian who <laughs> we'll call him Big Mando. 
Voiced by John Favreau. Voiced by John Favreau. And uh he he and other Mandalorians come into the into the forgery mm-hmm. and he kinda gives, you know, kinda wants to start a fight with the the you know, Pedro Pascal's character, and then they all go, This is the way. And I actually really like that line. Although every time I hear it I think of um Knuckles. Like, do you know the way? The Ugandan Knuckles. <laughs> this is so, the way. <laughs> this is the way. You, so that's what I think of. But he's one of our new characters. I really liked him mm-hmm. uh, just with the way they dine, put him in a juxtaposition of at first he's getting onto the Mandalorian and then towards the end he's like got the big Gatling gun yeah. saving him. Yeah, he, uh, um, what was really interesting to me was definitely their conflict. They, uh, uh, you could definitely tell that there has been some tension. Uh, they keep mentioning the Great Purge uh, and the dying out of their their kind, their culture, and the that Beskar steel that has been uh, uh, claimed by the Empire that they are slowly trying to take back, uh, kind of like taking back their identity as a culture. Um, and he he feels like the Mandalorian has kind of been like a traitor because he's taking that that steel from the Empire. Um, kind of like they're supporting him in a way um and one of uh one of the most interesting moments to me was uh, they keep talking about uh not taking off their helmets not showing their identity um just basically being such a central part of their culture and when they when the mandalorian and that other uh fighter started getting like getting into it mm-hmm. the first thing that john favreau's character did was he grabbed it by the helmet and tried to take it off just to dishonor him and to shame him. Um, dishonor. It seems like that's one of the the biggest ways of like hurting someone in that culture that you can that you can inflict. Um, which is I, I don't know. I really I've really been enjoying uh, delving deeper into the whole Mandalorian culture and and the way that these characters interact. It's really fascinating to me. Yeah, it's one it's one of the parts of the Star Wars lore that is really nice to get peeled back for us. Because they are in the games, they are, you know, we know about the Mandalore, Mandalorian Wars, we know about Mandalore a little bit as a planet, and, and uh, people have done, uh, it's in the Clone Wars series, mm-hmm. so this is a really great um, deep dive into it in the, uh, in, you know, uh, live action. Yeah. So I, I think this is fascinating for us as fans, getting to see this, and I I really do like it being post post empire mm-hmm. because we got a little bit of in the clone wars now we're seeing what they are after the the purge after all their beskar steel was taken after all the fallout from everything that's happened yeah so this is this is going really well and i love to see how how much of the religion how much of the culture clashes with the character because it seems like so far the culture is kind of opposite of what bounty hunting is yeah, those two uh, opposing forces, uh, two separate codes completely, where he, uh, in the end, he has to betray not only the Bounty Hunters code, but he feels like the, the Mandalorian code as well, saving this child, and no one fully understands his logic in trying to go back to, to save this this thing that he's already given up once. Um, yeah, uh, there's so many different layers to this that like the more you think about it, the more you watch it. The more we get into the series, the the deeper and the more meaningful everything seems to get, and that I you can you can tell that 
like Dave Filoni and John Favreau, who are both so uh, engulfed in the Star Wars lore, you can tell that they. I know we've talked about this before, but how how deeply they care about the series and the content, and how meaningful they want to make it for the fans. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree, and uh, I I think I said it before, but again, I agree. This is the best episode, and I think from here things get much much better. So. Uh, Going forward with our review, uh, what are your thoughts on the episode just in general? So the the main kind of uh, idea that seemed to flow throughout the whole episode was this idea of identity and who the who the Mandalorian sees himself as, who other people see him as. Um, like like we talked about, following the the bounty hunters code, following the Mandalorian code, and the all the different rules and structure that applies to those things, um, and. Uh, even at the beginning of the episode, when he turns over the the baby Yoda, the client, uh, mm-hmm. from, or Herzog's character, uh, when the Mandalorian starts to question him about what are you going to do with this kid, uh, he the remark that he gives to him is um, uh, like, "This isn't part of your code. Uh, you're supposed to forget this ever happened once the transaction's been completed." And uh, one of the last things he says is, uh, like, finding a Mandalorian is more difficult than finding the steel in regard to the Beskar steel that he's uh, given him this fortune of. Yeah. Um, And I think that can be taken in two ways. Just one, meaning, obviously, the Mandalorians are are all in hiding. Uh, They're not a very prominent culture anymore. But also, uh, he's obviously amassed this uh, wealth of Beskar steel, and that was easy for him to get a hold of. But finding a true Mandalorian who latches onto that culture completely, I think, is more difficult to find than the steel. And so it's um, the Mandalorian uh, questioning who he is. Is he a Mandalorian? Is he a bounty hunter? How much of each kind of culture and code is he going to uh, accept into his new identity? that this child is making him question. Um, and we've talked about uh, the the Mandalorians trying to remove the helmet, uh, which seems to almost be a part of their religion, is this garb and uh, forms their identity. It's like cutting off the, uh, um, what is it, the little ponytail you have as a samurai warrior or whatever. Yeah. Or in, um, so, you know, that's like disgraceful. And then the same thing goes for Game of Thrones with the Dothraki. Yeah, the When brains. they have their ponytails cut, you know, it's it's a symbol of just like no 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 don't do it yeah <laughs> please yeah so yeah that that whole idea of just who he is and what he's going to define himself by he's it seems like he's taking over more of his identity and not uh defining himself based on the standards set around him yeah i, I really like that conflict as well uh for me uh for me with this episode i really loved the arc they already gave the mandalorian where uh we start with episode one where he has that that blue alien and mm-hmm. he's like doesn't matter to me i can bring you in hot or i can bring you in cold yeah and now we see him asking about you know what about the kid you know what's going to happen and i love like you brought up with Werner herzog just piling on like don't even don't mention this at all just shut up yeah. do what you're told you know take the money and run and then he gives him that jab like about there are fewer Mandalorians. Uh, I also love how they played the 
the part when they forge his armor yeah and he comes into the cantina and everyone looks at him and he's just like shining with the nice glim- like glimmering armor and even the guild the guild master is like mando you made me rich <laughs> thanks i love that scene it's so good and uh i i love how they'll take a moment there's no action in it mm-hmm. but i i still like that scene it, it it and you feel the weight of the mando just being like what's the next assignment give me the next job and he's like don't you want to take a vacation you know it really makes this character seem more complex like you know who just doesn't want to take a vacation like it, it obviously there's something behind him with the flashbacks we saw with him as a foundling and uh Going on from this scene, I also really like the shootout. I think everyone loved the shootout that happened. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I liked the... I, I want to say, like, when he infiltrates the Empire outpost. Oh, that stronghold, yeah. Yeah, that stronghold. This is pretty cool. I mean, the weapon, when he puts when he puts his uh, fist on the ground and a bunch of missiles come out. The, yeah, the whistling birds. Yeah, the whistling birds. That was cool. But I want to say my favorite part was the ending with the Mandalorians coming out of hiding and just attacking all the bounty hunters. That was... I think that was a shining moment of the, of the episode because now it's going to take us... It feels more like it's not about Pedro Pascal's character... It now opens it up to it's about him and the Mandalorians in general. Yeah, which uh, because they've come out of hiding, he they mentioned in the show how they have to relocate their their colony essentially, um, which they don't they their only concern at that point is coming to the aid of the Mandalorian. Uh, just that that Mandalorian bond is stronger than the bounty hunters bond, uh, and yeah, I'm I'm curious to see if how much of a role if any they're going to play in any future episodes or if that was kind of a one and done and they're going to relocate into a completely different world that we won't see for a long time um but uh you you can definitely tell it's at this point it's getting off world now we're going to go into a new setting a new environment for new characters to come in yeah and that's and that's gonna be nice so far uh the the change and the dynamic between the Mandalorians, like, you know, was it worth it? Was it not worth it? Mm-hmm. What what do you have to gain? And that's what I'm excited for with the with the baby Yoda is like, what is there to gain from this child? And what are, what other conflicts are coming to place? So I really like how it ended. I really how it, like how it opens that door and how now the Mandalorians are out of that hiding because in lore, they're supposed to be like, like insane warriors and people like oh my gosh there's a mandalorian like watch out yeah. now that they're out of hiding and they have to relocate it i wonder if you know we see the empire remnants of the empire throwing everything that they can or if they're going to be a little bit more cautious yeah uh, so personally i like i love the story beats i liked the i like the palette they used for the show in this episode where like it starts off if you notice like it's daytime mm-hmm. and he infiltrates the stronghold and then it's getting darker and darker and by the time you know the mandalorians in the shootout when he's saved by the other uh mandalorians it's it's dusk it's it's dark mm-hmm. and so i really liked that so that they showed like the jetpacks firing off it was better lighting so i really liked yeah take a sip <laughs> Oh yeah, my yeah. dry my dry mouth. The only cover for you. Yeah, the yeah the color contrast and the lighting and um, there, it, we've talked about like how 
qualified that showrunner is and how excited we are for the Pam Kenobi series. And it just shows that even the little things like that, that like I hadn't even thought about it like in that way. Yeah. Um, but just every aspect seems to have been accounted for and there's a purpose behind everything. Absolutely. What did you think about the ending, the ending shootout with uh, Grief Karga and I, by the ship? I thought that was it was really uh, interesting because I mean, obviously the Mandalorian was had been shown that Beskar steel he kept in his his breast pocket there. Oh yeah. So when when they were in that standoff, um, when he shoots um, uh, the freezing chamber to release all the gas to hide himself, obviously he could have shot grief cargo to kill like he he could have ended it right there but he chose that one tiny little spot because he knew that it would protect him and it would just incapacitate him long enough to get off world you you think so you did you thought that was a precise shot you didn't think it was just a well no i mean he he had spent the rest of the episode um very meticulously killing the other bounty hunters um sniping them with accuracy uh fighting against the stormtroopers to kill like he was not holding back that entire time and then because of that bond i feel like he had with grief karga he he didn't want to kill him he just wanted to just all he wanted was to escape he didn't want to fight in the beginning of the standoff he just said i'm getting on my ship and you're going to let it happen he easily i feel like could have could have killed him in that moment because he was completely incapacitated uh, but he made a choice to let him live and i think hmm. i think that's why they showed him with that Beskar steel in his pocket, because otherwise, I mean, we wouldn't have known that there was anything there to protect him. Um, there, and they didn't have to give him a reason to stay alive. They didn't have to give that steel into his pocket. He could have just said he made a large bounty off of what the Mandalorian had done. Um, but I feel like uh, it was all intentional to show that, given the opportunity, the Mandalorian isn't isn't a killer necessarily. He is he's a bounty hunter that has a job. And when a killing is required, it's not what he—it's not the route he's going to take. Hmm, that's very interesting because I took it away as like he totally shot. I thought it was just a cool, cool story element where it's like, oh, you know, the steel, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. got it, you know, and he just puts it in. He doesn't say I'm putting it in my pocket or anything, and then he gets shot. And I thought like, oh, grief card is dead, and they pan to him like taking out the Beskar steel under his tunic and it's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I love to see where the where that character goes next. Like is he gonna team up with the Empire? Is he gonna get more of the Bounty Guild? Like what's gonna happen? So or the Bounty Hunters Guild. So I I thought it was shoot to kill. But, you know, I, I do think it's kinda cool how we we do have those two different uh perspectives because in your world you're like, yo, Mando's the Mando knew what he was doing. Oh yeah, and I'm just like, nah. He's just like, you know, get away from me, bam, shoot, get out of here, you're done, it's over, son. So, yeah, what, I think. Is there any last thoughts you have? Yeah, um, what I think the the events of this episode are going to trigger are the rest of the uh, nearby Empire forces coming in, and I think is it. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito, his yes, character? he's supposed to be a a moth, a, a grand moth. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what is what the name of his character is. Besides, it's moth something. Um, moth Gideon. Moth Gideon. You're right. You're right. So uh, he's supposed to appear in the next episode or two, and he's supposed to be more of a like an overarching villain. Um, what I think is going to happen is because um, he escaped with Baby Yoda, or the the Mando escaped with Baby Yoda. That's going to trigger the Empire stepping in 
becoming much more heavy-handed in how they handle the situation and starting to track uh, the Mandalorian. And so I think um, the scientist who's in the episode is going to have a much bigger role. We're going to see potentially if it's related to the uh, Camino cloning facilities, how uh, the Empire is still having an effect on them. Because mm-hmm. it didn't seem like that scientist had wanted to be there. We had seen that interrogation droid in in the room with the doctor and with Baby Yoda, but I I think that interrogation droid was more for the doctor rather than for the Baby Yoda. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see if he's going to cave in anything or if he's going to stand his ground and and stand behind the Mandalorian. Um, but uh, I'm I very excited to see how these larger forces are going to start consuming uh, the show a bit more and. The, the threats are obviously going to continue to rise as the series progresses, and we're not even halfway there. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. This is episode three. We're not halfway there. I'm I'm grabbed in. I'm locked in. I know I said after episode one, you know, like I didn't, you know, the pacing was a little weird for me, but I was excited. I'm very much, I'm probably twice as excited for the next episode to come out just because of the way that it, it played out with yeah. the Mandalorian and the guild And it feels like there's more at stake besides, you know, like, oh, he's doing a job. What's he going to do with this kid? Now his life's at risk, Uh, more at risk, if anything. So and it's in conflict with the Empire. The only Mm -hmm. difference is it's not a rebellion where it's like, oh, we got to save the people. It's like, no, I got to save this kid and my skin. And it just feels very different, feels very underworld vibe. And I love this. I'm so excited for those ne- these next few episodes, and I can't wait to see what planet we go to next. I very much enjoyed it. I agree with you. This is the best episode, and give me more of that end credit music, son. Mm, that score. Do doom, boom, doom. So I'm ex- uh, I'm overall into it. Yes. So, all right, everyone. That concludes our review. Positive review for episode three. Not really any drawbacks, and uh, yeah. We'll do this again next week. We're going to, like we said in our podcast, this uh, and I think in this episode, we're going to have a review out a lot quicker than the previous few weeks. So we should be doing it a couple days after uh, the episode releases on Friday morning. So stay tuned for the next episode four. Four. Mandalorian Review. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Bye.